going beyond the headlines, getting to the heart of the story. Calgary Today with Joe McFarland on 770 CHQR. Happy Friday, and thanks so much for downloading the Calgary Today podcast. I'm Jody Hughes, in for Joe McFarland. On today's show, we'll get an insider look at some of the other economic advantages of having a new arena here in Calgary. We'll chat with former Flame Colin Patterson. We also take time to honour our colleague and friend Peter Watts, who died early this morning at the age of 68. We'll talk to some Calgarians who are trying to start something called Zamboni Driver Day, or RAD Day, Rink Attendant Day, a day to thank your local rank attendant. But first, we check in with Global News' Joel Senek, who is at the petition of David and Colette Stefan today. The couple want the province to cover their $4 million in legal costs, past and future, as well as have the charges against them dropped. Well, good afternoon. I'm Jody Hughes in for Joe. And you've probably heard about the trial and the request for money from uh, David and Colette Stefan on their legal bills, past and future. And this goes back to the death of their 18-month-old child. Well, Joel Sinek from Global Calgary has been covering this story today. Joel, thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. And I'll just start off by first saying that we're obviously all thinking about Peter here at the Global News Newsroom. Thank you so much. So, Joel, tell us a little bit about what you learned today. Well, it was a really interesting hearing in court because kind of from the get-go, you had an idea of where it was going to go. You had this application coming from David and Colette Stefan, and they wanted money to cover past and future legal bills that they're going to, um, I guess, incur and that they've already incurred uh, regarding this situation, uh, the unfortunate death of their son. And they're obviously being accused of not uh, providing the necessaries of life, their 18-month-old son, Ezekiel, who died back in 2012. So they went through the trial in 2016, were found guilty, appealed that trial. Supreme Court of Canada gives them a new case, or tells them that they have to get a new case, a new trial. So that trial is upcoming. So now they were in today saying, look, we spent so much money on the last trial, which was overturned. We're going to have to spend even more on this next one because of all of these allegations that David put forth today in court regarding uh, the RCMP, the Crown Prosecutor, uh, the trial judge in the first case, Alberta Health Services, saying that there was things done wrong and there's some collusion and corruption and all of those places, that this is such a unique case, such an uh, extreme case, that they can't afford to pay for the proper legal defense that they'll need when their trial starts, which is expected in June. Now, $4 million, that seems like an incredible amount of money, though, even if you are looking at a lengthy trial. It does seem like a lot. And David, he did make the point. He said, we don't want a blank check. We want a lump sum of money. And if we don't use whatever we don't use, we will then pay back. He was arguing that they may need separate counsels, separate experts to go over a number of things because, again, he came to the table with a lot of allegations surrounding all these agencies. But at the end of the day, it doesn't matter because the judge denied the application, not on the merits of the argument, which was interesting. He said, look, I'm not even going to consider your arguments. This is in his decision. I'm not even going to respond to your arguments because the proceeding that's happening today 
is not the appropriate venue to make a claim for this. You need to go to a civil court case, a civil court proceeding for this to happen. We were in today, which uh, is called case management. A, a normal person wouldn't really know what that is, but it's kind of just something that happens along the process until a trial happens. And you're saying this case management hearing is not the hearing that we can award you funds. So whether your arguments are valid or not, I'm not even going to touch those. Your application is denied. So what I'm hearing then is that we could still hear, hear more about this if they were to take it through the civil avenue. We could, but we did talk to uh, David Stefan afterwards, and he said they don't simply have the money to do that because, as he explained it, he's under the understanding he's implicating RCMP, he's implicating the Crown, he's implicating AHS, and he's implicating that they're all working together. So if you implicate one, it connects to all of them. So it's not like he'd be bringing a civil case against just one of those, which right. would cost X amount of money as it is. He would have to bring one against all of these groups to prove what he is arguing. And he says his family simply doesn't have the money. They had some case law that they felt could maybe uh, give them a leg to stand on for this sort of award to be done in a criminal trial process, which is what they're going through now, not a civil case. But the judge ultimately said no. At the end, David tried to see if he could get an appeal. The judge said, you can try, but there's obviously almost no chance that anybody's going to hear this appeal, just given the nature of, of where you're at right now in the proceedings. Well, and it's interesting you'd say that because my next question is, I know you aren't you know, a full-fledged crime reporter, but I don't remember ever hearing hearing of a case like this before, but you're saying there was case law brought forward that suggests this has been done before in other cases. Yeah, and, you know, that was kind of the crux of David Steffen's argument today was a a piece of case law that uh, was similar in nature to his situation, but there were some differences there. And again, it didn't, to the judge, and it was just interesting because from the get-go, he was saying, you're making these arguments in the wrong place. You're making these arguments in the wrong venue. This isn't the procedure. But he allowed him to continue to make the arguments. He interjected constantly, but allowed him to make the arguments, citing certain case law. But the, at the end of the day, the judge seemingly, and this is just me speculating, but seemingly may have already written his decision before he even walked into the courtroom that day because all it took was the Crown had a maybe 10-minute submission. The judge didn't even leave to go reflect on the submissions. He said he was ready to make a decision right there. This wasn't the venue. I'm not going to look at the merits of your argument. This is a procedural decision. I can't award this to you on a procedural uh, or because of the the process that it's being brought to me. Well, yeah, it seems like a moot point. I mean, if it's the wrong venue, it's the wrong venue. You can't fight a traffic ticket in family court. I mean, it's interesting. Yeah, it's like playing baseball on a basketball court. And I was curious, and again, as you (laughs) astutely pointed out, I'm not a crime reporter. I play one some days. But (laughs) I I was just curious as why we even had to sit there for so long because it seems from the get-go, you can see where this is going. Mm -hmm. If, If the arguments are being made in the wrong court. Well, okay, so what are we doing here? But it didn't take long. It was just through the morning. Um, And I guess we will see if, uh, you know, David and Colette end up going down this path sometime in the future. Again, they said they don't have the money, but there's other things coming up for them because one of the points that uh, David was making today is that they don't have money to properly defend themselves for their coming trial and that legal aid uh, would not be sufficient, sufficient enough given the complexity of this trial. So will David be representing himself again come June? I guess we'll have to see. Well, and that's, 
That's interesting because then does that open you up for another retrial or, you know? Exactly. And he even admitted in the media scrum afterwards that, you know, hey, I'm just a lay guy. I'm, you know, I'm not a lawyer. I'm, I'm a lay person representing myself. And the procedural stuff to him, you know, I, I imagine was somewhat confusing. And he just kind of admitted to that fact that a lot of the process that was being discussed today in court you know, for me as, as a layperson, I'm not super surprised that this application was denied on process. He was obviously very confident in the argument side, but on process, he told us that he wasn't surprised once he got everything explained to him in the hearing today that it was denied. Makes sense. So, Joel, thank you so much for the update today. We appreciate it. Yeah, no worries. Well, good afternoon. I'm Jody Hughes in for Joe. We were hoping to get on the line, Colin Patterson, former Flame, to talk about uh, a podcast that they've done recently discussing the economic advantages to having a new arena or a new uh, event facility here in town. Uh, Colin sitting down with Lanny McDonald, Peter Mars, some other uh, greats here in town uh, about just some of the aspects that maybe some folks aren't considering when we're evaluating whether or not our city needs to have an arena. We do hear a lot of the same arguments over and over and uh, they were looking at it from an insider's perspective about why it is that it would be so important to uh, to make that decision and to move forward with that plan but I don't think that we can get Colin on the line I have oh we do have him on the line all right well that was easy how are you this afternoon Colin great thanks Jody how are you good thank you so much for uh, joining us this afternoon uh, I was just touching on, uh, you guys were looking at some of, you know, from an insider perspective, some of the other reasons. And we hear a lot about, you know, it's not just hockey, but what are some of the other reasons or some of the uh, other value-added uh, bonuses to having a new arena here in the city of Calgary? Well, I think, there, you know, there's so many different aspects of it. Uh, you know, from from the Flames' point of view, I mean, they do so much for the community, Um you know, I, I think without the Flames, you, you don't have a lot of those things that happen. I, I look at our own alumni, and I look at, you know, one in particular is Kidsport, that, uh, you know, 25 years ago, Kidsport, nobody knew of. And Perry Bearsan and I used to run a 3 on 3 pond hockey event. Part of the proceeds went to Kidsport because we heard about it, created some awareness for it. And then a few years later, Jerome started donating money to it through every goal he scored. And that gained more awareness for what Kidsport was doing. And now you have Johnny Goudreau doing it. And I think those are things that, you know, you tend to forget about when you're talking about, you know, hey, you know, if there's no new arena and there's no Flames team here. Um, Those are some key issues, I think, that people, it's the softer side of it. You know, I'm not talking about the economics. I'm just talking about the softer side of of what a, a new arena would bring and, and, you know, longevity for the team and our alumni. Well, and also, you know, I have kids who play sports, and I'll tell you firsthand, I sat there in our soccer registration and saw a massive number of people who needed to turn to kids sport for that help to be able to have a season of soccer. So we're not talking about just hockey, but the other angle is you look at the heroes that some of these young hockey players adopt when you do have stars like, you know, Jerome McGinley and Kippersoff and, you know, Johnny Goudreau. Like, it makes a huge difference to minor sport. Oh, it certainly does. You know, I you know I grew up in Toronto, and I mean, you know, the Toronto Maple Leafs were such a. They're still a huge part in Toronto, maybe too much a part of the rest of the world now. But um, you know, it was such a, a big thing, you know, to run into somebody who was a Maple Leaf. But I remember Ron Ellis, who you know was a great Maple Leaf, 
uh, married a, a girl who lived down the street from us. And, you know, it was such a thrill to know Ron and to meet him and to, you know, be part of, you know, the Maple Leafs experience is huge. And I think, you know, it's very similar here in Calgary. We also have to look at the 50-50 aspect of it. You know, every game you have 50-50 draws. Half of the money goes to help out different charities here in town. And uh, there are so many other ways that uh, having a facility like that can be beneficial. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, and you think of all the concerts that I can't believe the number of people I've talked to lately that have gone up to Edmonton, you know, to see, uh, you know, whether it's Paul McCartney or some other concert that, you know, we couldn't get at the Saddle Dome. For sure. And, you know, and, you know, anytime anybody mentions they've gone to Edmonton for something, it's painful to me. <laughs> Trust me, I'm a third generation <laughs> Calgarian. I hear you. Colin, thank you so much for your time today. Okay, Jody, thank you. Well, good afternoon. I'm Jody Hughes in for Joe. He's back in on Monday. As you've heard us talking about today, it is a very sad day for us here at Chorus. Uh, the loss of our great friend and one of the most iconic broadcasters in Calgary, Peter Watts. He passed away this morning at the age of 68. Uh, thank you again for everybody who's taken the time to message and to share this moment with us. And thank you so much for your patience and understanding that uh, sometimes in moments like this, it is very challenging for us to uh, maintain that uh, that boundary where we aren't getting emotional when we talk about something like this. Uh, I just want to honor Peter now with a tribute. Good morning, six minutes after six on this Saturday morning, the 15th day of December 2018. I'm Peter Watts. Welcome to the Alberta Morning News. Thank you for joining us this morning. The first time I met Looks Peter like Watts, I was a, a junior reporter doing sports for CJ92. And I was up covering stuff and it was time for the Olympics and we we're getting ready for that. And TSN was new and this was the big new thing right across the country, right? A sports channel dedicated to sports. So if you were on TSN, you were known across the country. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the early report from Sports Desk for this Sunday, the 12th day of August. My so I met Peter and, and you know, oh, there's that guy I see on TV all the time. Super friendly, super kind, super genuine and helpful. So fast forward now, I come to work at QR and there's Peter Watts again. And we reconnect. And of course, no surprise, just as nice, just as genuine and just as friendly as I remembered him 30 years when he was a superstar at TSN. One of the kindest most genuine people you'd ever meet in the entire world, and he will be missed. Well, you know, one thing that stands out to me about Peter is just that no matter what he was swamped with, no matter what was going on, he was uh, always smiling, always, uh, you know, quick to start up a conversation, ask how the kids were doing, all those kinds of things. And the other thing, too, just as, as a co-worker, no matter how busy he was, if he saw something that he thought would make sense for somebody else, you know, he's always going out of his way to, to help other people. It's just uh, an amazing co-worker. And I suppose the other memory that stands out uh, concerned the two uh uh, cartoon characters that were the mascots. Heidi of the and Howdy. Heidi and Howdy. Yeah. Because Peter treated me like I owned mine. this place, that I was a manager, and he was always appointing me the boss of everyone. He would sit and he would make the time of day for you. The man had nothing but time when it came to his coworkers and his friends. And it was an old school way of doing things, and it was an old school way of relating with people. And I already miss him a lot. 
Not one, not two, not three, but four national championships in the sport of curling to be decided over the next week. One thing about Peter is his dedication to amateur and maybe not the highest of profile sports. I mean, one thing that always stuck out is he spent a lot of time following luge and luge athletes. I mean, for most of us, luge is a few minutes every four years watching the Olympics, but he uh, always watched the athletes, their progress, Canada's progress. It was kind of a sign of how dedicated he was and always had time for people in the lower profile events. Day three of the Coda Cup. The Coda Cup, sponsored by the Calgary Olympic Development Association. I first got to know Peter when I was in politics on the other side of the mic. And I remember him always asking probing direct questions, but he was he was the consummate pro. I never had any idea of what his own personal opinion was on politics. And when I came into the media business, back into the media business and radio, he if he ever had any doubts about whether I'd be able to pull it off, he I never would have known that either. He was always so supportive. Uh, one of the things I would remember about him is just brainstorming ideas. And he would even give up some particularly good topic if he thought it might have been a better fit for my show or we might be able to do a longer interview with it. It's a shock to all of us. And we're really going to miss him. Peter's one of those guys who is the proverbial good guy in the business. It didn't matter what kind of mood he's in, didn't matter what kind of day he's been having, but he always seemed to say, how's it going, Joseph, would be the term he'd always say. He's one of those guys who would literally, as my time as news director, would sit down and before you knew it, an hour of your day was gone and you'd kind of swear at Peter a little bit because you're sitting there going, I had other things to do, but that'll be something that I wish I could do one more time is have that five minute conversation with Peter, 10 minute, hour, whatever time he needed. It's always a good time when you're talking to Peter Watts. On this day in 1944, what became known as the Great Escape took place. I've been fortunate enough to know Peter Watts for 30 years. And when you think of Peter, all you think of is a true professional. Somebody that loved his business, somebody that loved his city, somebody that loved his community, and loved sport. And, and it didn't matter what sport it was. And I guess one of my favorite memories, and this will stay with me for a long, long time, uh, my seat in the press box at McMahon Stadium, uh, since I've been hosting the Calgary Stampede, broadcasts. On, on the left was always Billy Powers. On the right was always Peter Watts. And when I go to McMahon Stadium next year, I'm going to look to my left and there'll be the plaque for Billy Powers. I'm going to look to my right and I'm going to think of Peter Watts. A lot of people have talked about how Peter really helped them along their way, contributed in all facets of the radio station. But what I'm going to remember most about Peter is the human side of him. The guy who was in our lottery pool who would come up to me every Wednesday and say that he had a fresh 20 that he had just printed this morning and uh, he was ready to contribute his part to our becoming millionaires. Pretty nice Sunday, lots of sunshine in the forecast. It'll be a little breezy. When I came back to the radio business about a dozen years ago, Peter had been here already. He's been with uh, CHQR for 20 years. Consistently, he was ready to do anything that was needed to improve his show, the Alberta Morning News. And he was also very 
tenacious <laughs> and determined. If, if he didn't agree with the approach, he'd say, no, John, we've got to do it this way. And we'd have this real robust conversation. You learn so much about the kind of approach people can bring to dealing with other individuals. And that was Peter's touch, that he always had this true, genuine, authentic flair to him. And anytime he talked to you, you knew that he was completely invested and engaged. And now, uh, he's not going to be with us, and I'll miss his voice more than most people know. That's everything for now on the Alberta Morning News. I'm Peter Watts. Thank you for being with us this morning. Go out and make it a safe and happy Sunday. know about it yet, but it might be something that you are becoming familiar with in the future. It's now evolved to Rad Day or Rink Attendant Day, and this is the brainchild of two gentlemen who spend a lot of time at the rink. We have hockey dad Adam with us and figure skating dad Rhett with us. Gentlemen, thank you so much for joining me this afternoon. No problem. Tell us a little bit about how this started. Adam, this was something that uh, you began with your three kids. Your kids play out at Trails West. Yeah, my three boys and I, uh, last couple of years, we've always just raised a little bit of money uh, or just bought a coffee cart for some of the uh, rink attendant fellows, the Zamboni drivers, and gave it to them around Christmas season. And this year, with them being a little bit bigger uh, and older, I challenged them to raise a bit of money with their respective teams. And they ended up doing a really fun job and a great job doing it, raised a bunch of money for it. I love this idea. And then uh, you brought your uh, business partner, Rhett, into this. Originally, we were talking about it being maybe Zamboni Driver Day or Boney Driver Day, which we found out wasn't politically correct for uh, Facebook. So (laughs) moving on to Rink Attendant Day. And uh, Rhett, you're at a rink right now. Uh, Why is it so important that we recognize these wonderful folks who take care of our ice? I'm also a hockey mom, so I can appreciate this. They get to rink before we do. They stay after we do. They take care of the ice. They clean the rink. Uh, they make it safe for everybody to attend, and uh, sometimes we just forget that they're there. It's true, because you expect it to be great, and you don't always even think about how many hours they can be putting in at some of these rinks. My, my question is, is always, what would happen if they didn't show up? Like You wouldn't be able oh. to even get in the rink, let alone play uh, on good ice. Never, I, I totally agree. I mean, you look at the, the breakfast practice, the early, uh, you know, practices for figure skating. It seems like they live there sometimes. One of the most endearing things that I found out when me and the boys went and took some pictures when we were originally just thinking about a, a little fun video to do was it's how much they love being there. Like every, I, I've yet to meet a rink attendant and handing out dozens of coffee cards that doesn't like his job. They like the kids. They like being involved. They like being there at the games. And, you know, outside of the odd crazy cleanup story that they have, they truly <laughs> enjoy being being rink attendants. And they call themselves rink rats. Like it's a it's an industry or a job that is really special. I think it is. And tell me a little bit about this video that you put together, Rhett. I first, I just started out with a thank you to the rink attendants and spreading the word to uh, raise some money for uh, some coffee cards and you know, say thank you to your rank attendant and it just kind of spiraled out of control and other media people got involved and now it's rank attendant day. There's a video, um, the road hammers recorded a song, uh, Zamboni driver song, and it's up on our Facebook page at 
Zamboni driver day. Check it out. I love this idea. Well, and did you guys expect to get this much traction out of it? it no, this is a, a simple, hey, Rhett, like Rhett and I, Rhett's a figure skating coach, but he also coaches my boys skating. And so we're always talking at the, at the rink, whichever way. And so I brought him the idea. I said, hey, you know, this would just be a fun little video that we can share amongst the teams of, that we raised this money for. And then he went and did this ingenious thing and created a day. You know, he, he, <laughs> the Road Hammers, which literally made a song called Zamboni uh, Driver Salute. It's amazing. Um, I think it released today. And then, you know, we got some really good uh, support from the community at large and the Calgary Flames and Tim Horton. So it's an incredible uh, fire that we started here. I love it. It's so Canadian. You guys, good luck with this campaign. And I look forward to hearing more about Rad Deer, uh, Rad Day next year. Yeah. Thanks, Jody. Thank you. Thank you so much for downloading today's podcast. Do me a huge favor and leave a rating and a comment. And you can always hit me up on Twitter as well. Just follow me at Calgary Today.